Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. On this episode, we're going to chat some pack with Joe D., Joey DeGuano. We're going to chat some college sports, Badger sports with RJ Cardinal, get his thoughts on the, the Big Ten and the SEC meeting, and uh, just an update uh, overall from, uh, from, the, from the Badgers. But begin this podcast talking a little bit more about uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Brewers, all right, so they signed a new pitcher, Jacob Junis, to a one-year deal up to $7 million. They traded Ethan Small. And this offseason has been what I would describe as kind of a weird offseason for, for Brewers fans and for, for the Brewers. So it begins, well, let's let's rewind it here a little bit. You, you got the end of the season, playoffs, disappointing Disappointing performance in the playoffs, getting swept by the Cardinals, who end, or excuse me, the Diamondbacks, who ended up going to the World Series. Then you find out the news about Brandon Woodruff potentially, may for sure not pitching this year, but maybe never ever again. So you don't bring him back. Now you, the, you know you're entering the last year of Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas, and you're wondering, okay, what's the future there? And you keep hearing, oh, they're planning on bringing him back. Then you sign Jackson Cheerio to a long-term deal, who has not made his major league debut, a handful of games in AAA. You're kind of doing a little bit of a Atlanta Braves approach. So maybe some excitement there. Finally, going to see Jackson Cheerio. You sign Reese Hoskins. All right, we got some pop at first base, maybe a little bit more at the DH spot. So you're feeling pretty good. Not really a whole lot of other movement in the in the NL Central. Forgot Craig Council moves to, to go to the Cubs. Got to put that one in there. That was kind of a big one there. But you're looking at the other moves in the NL Central, and it's like, okay, Brewers, Brewers maybe still team to beat in the NL Central. Still, still got enough to to compete for another division and get to the postseason. And then just a few days ago, Corbin Burns gets traded, and that took a hit on a lot of Brewers fans. It like we we had a previous episode. It sucks. It stinks. And I hate to say this too because it kind of stinks to say this, but I get it. I, I mean, I, I think that's the world we live in right now as, as baseball fans and as Brewers fans. But it's been such a weird offseason of like, hey, good moves, and like, oh, crap moves. Like, okay, what is the goal? I mean, you hear Matt Arnold, the Brewers general manager, and the Brewers say it's that fine line of being competitive now but also for the future. It's like sustained success. But – as fans too, we're like, hey, we want a championship though too. You know what I mean? We want, we want, we want a World Series championship. I don't know about you personally, but I, I mean, I wasn't around in '82, but I'm like, we're still talking about '82, and that's the best team, and they lost the World Series for crying out loud. So, we want, we want a championship. And so, as we get closer to spring training, pitchers and catchers reporting, closer to opening day, the question I was throwing out. Where I want to throw out is, what are your expectations? What what's your goals for this upcoming Brewers season? With all the ups and downs of like moves made and, and such, what is your expectation? What is your goal? And then you factor in when you look at the NL Central. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say there's a juggernaut team in there. So, what are the expectations? What are the goals? Like, I feel the NL Central can actually be competitive this year. I'm not saying it would be the best division, but we saw Pittsburgh a little bit last year, the Reds too, you know, Cubs, Cardinals making moves, bringing in some veteran starters. I think it could be a very competitive division. But with the Brewers, I th- it, it to me there is some dots that connect very similar to the Packers. So, like, the Packers with their previous season – I didn't really have any expectations. I didn't really have any goals. I mean, I wanted to see Jordan Love, whether he was going to be the guy or not. Okay, I wanted to see improvement with the second-year guys. I wanted to see you know the young guys step up and 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 you know look the part, play really well. I wanted to see answers on the coach staff. I wanted to see Matt Lafleur and his offense. So we had those questions, but in terms of like success and you know didn't have any championship expectations this year. And I'm a believer that expectations and goals can change throughout the course of the season, and those kind of change a little bit 
for Green Bay. It's like, all right, now they're in the post. Hey, now let's let's compete for a postseason spot. Hey, we're in the postseason. We just beat the Cowboys, and we're close to the 49ers. We're going to go to the NFC Championship. Maybe we could go to the Super Bowl. Expectations change throughout a season. Goals change. But at the beginning of that Packers season, I was kind of like, all right, I, I'm going to go in with a, cl- with, a, with a clear mind. Not really have any, like, championship or bust expectations. A little different. It's been different because, I mean, as long as Aaron Rodgers is on the field, as long as he's out there, it's always Super Bowl or bust. And it was a, it was a change. And I've got a similar approach to that to, to the Brewers. Maybe not like 100%, but it's similar. It's similar in the, in the thought that, okay, I'm not going to expect a World Series championship for the Brewers this year. You know, the last couple years with that pitching staff, I was a proponent of like, hey, the window is now when you got Burns, you got Woodruff, you know, those guys take advantage of the cheap pitching and, and go get a World Series. Go get, go try. You know, it's not guaranteed if you make big moves, but at least give yourself a, a chance. Put yourself in a position to compete and win a World Series, to get to the World Series. And I don't have that this year for the Brewers. You know, last couple of years, would I have picked him to go to the World Series? No. Playoffs, yeah. And then once you get in the playoffs, anything's possible. I mean, I have, looking back at it now, I feel better about their chances to win a World Series the last couple of years than maybe what it looks like now because of the starting pitching that, that they currently employ. But my expectations, my goals at least right now, are a little bit different than what they were in years prior. Like, I'm not... <sighs> I can see them going to the postseason. It's really hard for me to kind of describe. I can see them going to the postseason. I can see them being really, you know, towards the bottom of the division. And maybe there's this team is somewhere in the middle at this point. But my expectations, my goals for, for this is, is definitely different than other years. Like, I definitely had, hey, playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Got to be in the playoffs. This year, I'm maybe not as hard on that line. I'm not as hard as, like, got to be in the postseason and give yourself a shot. Because I want to see Jackson Shooter. I want to see this guy that they've invested a lot of money in. A lot of pressure is going to be on him, too. But can he live up to that? Can he live up to the hype? Maybe it's not necessarily fair that he's that guy or to put that pressure on him in his first year. But we're going to do it because we're fans. We're we're, going to do that. We're going to overreact to stuff and, and all that sort of stuff. But we want to see glimpses. Is he that guy? Is he going to be that guy? Similar to Jordan Love with the pack. Are we going to see that? Got the other youngsters heading into their second years, the Sal Freelix, the Bryce Terangs. Are we going to see growth from those guys? Are we going to see them get better? Can they be fixtures on this team for hopefully another you know, era of Brewers baseball? And then you got your veterans mixed in like a Christian Yelich. Maybe he's like the David Bakhtiari in a situation, but not without the injury. Or maybe he's more like the Preston Smith of this uh, of this situation, somewhere around there. How much more they got left in the tank? You know what I mean? So, I mean, and then you got, I think, you know, new manager coming in, but maybe a manager in waiting in Ricky Weeks and such. So, I mean, there's storylines to follow for, for this Brewers team. So I, I guess for me, again, to, to kind of sum it up, my goals, my expectations for, for this ball club is I want them to I want to see this team be competitive. I want to see them compete for a playoff spot. And I just want to see, because I do think we're, we're going to be witnessing a new era of, of, of how to do things for, for Brewers baseball, investing a lot in the younger guys, going that route instead of, you know, paying big time free agents or or handing out contracts like they did to Yelich and and Braun maybe a little bit later on in their careers and they don't play up to that that level. I think you're gonna see more of the Jackson Cheerio type of role. But I wanna see if we get some early returns on those those decisions too. I wanna see if we're we're we, we can see a glimpse of like these younger guys stepping up this year and be like, okay, the future does look bright. The future looks good. That's what I want to see this year. I still think they can compete for a playoff spot. So, I, I mean, but I, I'm, I'm maybe not as hard on that line as I was the last few years. And a lot of it is due to the pitching because it's a, a big unknown. You still got Freddie, but are we going to see Aaron Ashby? Are we going to see him, you know, solidify his spot in the rotation? He's one of those guys that they locked up for cheap. 
Is Freddie going to be an ace? Can he be that ace? D.L. Hall coming in. Can he be a starter? There's questions. I want to see these questions answered for, for the good, like giving us some confidence or giving us some positive vibes for this team for the now, but also for the future. So it's it's similar in some aspects to Green Bay heading into this previous season for Green Bay where you know I don't have like hard set expectations of playoffs and championships. I think they can compete for, for a playoff spot. But I also, it's more of like a scouting type of thing. Like, I just want to see things that gets us excited. Like, you know what? We're in good shape. We're in good shape. We're not going to be a team that wins like 30 games a year or some ridiculously low number, whatever, 50 games in a year. We want to see a competitive team and just like, like after the Packers season was over with, everybody's like, hey, feel good. We feel good about the future. I want that way for the for the Brewers. That's probably my expectation, my goal heading into this year. But with the NL Central, though, too, kind of being still up in the air, they can still compete for a playoff spot. Let's switch some gears. Let's talk some uh, let's talk some Packers football with Joey D coming up after this quick break. Are you thinking of taking a spring break trip this year? Or maybe you're already eyeing up that summer vacation, but you're not quite sure if you have the proper transportation for those road trips. Hey, that's where Toys and Ford can help you. Toys and Ford has a wide selection of new and used vehicles for you to check out. And at Toys and Ford, they treat you like an honored guest. They will work with you on financing no matter what your budget may be. So if you're looking for that new vehicle this year, head to Toys and Ford, located at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa Falls. Packers making some moves, uh, adding some defensive coaches. Vince Ogobase, who's a Boston College guy coming over following Jeff Hafley. Uh, sounds like the Packers also be filling in some other roles, including the cornerbacks coach and such. Let's chat some more green and gold with uh, with Joseph Joe. Uh, does it make you happy to hear that it sounds like at least uh, Matt LaFleur and the Packers are allowing their defensive coordinator to bring in some of some of his guys to help teach that system? Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad you brought that up, Captain, because as opposed to the Joe Barry hire, uh, basically Matt LaFleur dictated his staff to him and a lot of those holdovers from the Mike Pettin era. And as a D.C. or an O.C., you want your guys there. And so, and, I, and, and you saw it again with Joe Barry and, and, and Terry Gray. There was some dissension there and some disagreement there. And, and so 100%, if you are going to let a guy uh, run the defense. And by the way, Joe Barry did end up with a new job. He is now the Dolphins linebacker coach and run game coordinator. So Joe Barry did land on his feet. But getting back to the Packers, yeah, you've got to you've got to allow your guy, your 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 chosen one to be DC, your guy that's going to get you over the top to put his guys in there. And so that's a that's refreshing and that shows growth. From, from Matt LaFleur. So I, I, I think that's a good thing. Now, you know, take that one step further. I, when Matt LaFleur was hired, uh, he had to keep Mike Pett. And so I think, again, the more autonomy, the more freedom, uh, the more empowerment that you give coaches like that, I think the better you're going to be. So like what's happening, you're seeing a couple of, of defensive coaches retained, which is good as well. That speaks, that speaks uh, I think that speaks well to some of the position coaches that they had reports uh, Jerry Montgomery uh, leaving for the Patriots, and so obviously that uh, that fills the role there from a defensive line perspective. But yeah, I I feel good the way that this is shaping up this off season, and I think it's a big off season for Matt Lafleur and the Packers. Uh, speaking of which, too, uh, staying with the, the assistant coaches, uh, Sean Mannion, the former quarterback, sounds like he's taking a role, uh, a coaching role, retiring and joining the Packers, helping out with the with the quarterbacks in the passing uh, passing game. It sounds like two corner reports. Tom Clements is coming back. To me, Joe, that almost screams like is this kind of like a, a potentially a, a coach in waiting? And, and Tom Clements, you know, he's up there at age, maybe kind of a quarterbacks coach in waiting with with Sean Mannion. What do you think about that hire? One hundred percent. I think Sean Mannion can learn now under Clements. I uh, was very encouraged to hear that Clements is coming back. I think, you know, we all know that he and Mike McCarthy created the offseason quarterback school. 
And I think he was a big reason that Jordan Love had the season he had. I think Tom Clements is one of those guys that knows quarterbacking, knows football. And I think he's an asset to the staff. And I think having an experienced guy on Matt LaFleur's staff is big. And so, yeah, I do see the Mannion move as a quarterback coach in waiting. And, you know, I've I've always liked a quarterback coach at, at that level that played the game at that level. And, you know, you go back to, to Daryl Bevel, if it will, and I always thought that that was a mismatch. Uh, it's a guy that never played at that level. And so, you know, Alex Van Pelt was a longtime quarterback coach for Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And I just think uh, having a guy that's been in your shoes, I think, is a, is a big asset. And could this be quarterback coach in waiting for Mannion? Absolutely. But he's going to be able to learn from one of the best, Tom Clements. And as far as I'm concerned, Tom Clements, if I'm Matt LaFleur, he, he, you know, he's got a lifetime contract, and I'm not pushing him out the door anytime soon. But mm-hmm. I think it's good to bring somebody in because I think it's probably one of the most important positions on your is that quarterback coach. And, again, having two eyes or four eyes out there now looking at the quarterback I think is a good thing. Uh, I know you posted a question or a picture of uh, Darnell Savage, and we've been kind of asking uh, as, as kind of our question of the day if there was one current Packers free agent that you'd be banging a table to, to maybe bring back, who would that be? And Savage being, you know, one of those. My question for, for you with, with Savage, uh, can he play in what we're expecting, maybe a little bit more of a single high defense? Can he play that single high safety role, do you think, with, with this defense? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, Captain, because I, I actually think Keyshawn Nixon is the, is the one guy I want to bring back. And, and a big reason for that is I actually think Keyshawn Nixon, you could rotate him back to safety. And I think you you could actually maybe see him uh, playing a little bit more of that role. You know, if you look over film and you look over Darnell Savage over the last several years, he was better when he was closer to the line of scrimmage. And so I do have my question marks whether or not he can play that single high safety. And if the Packers are going to go any direction in free agency, I actually think that that safety is the one position where I wouldn't mind Goody spending some money on it. And, there, and there's some guys out there. And, again, I think I think because you're looking at a single high, I, I think that's a critical position. And so, um, again, you look at Darnell Savage coming out of Maryland, and, and, and you look at his tape, and it's very impressive. It's just very impressive. And I actually thought Green Bay had the second coming of Nick Collins there for the first couple of years, but he just seemed very uncomfortable in space, much more comfortable when he's playing closer to the line of scrimmage. So um, I, I, I'm i voting for Keyshawn Nixon as the guy to bring back. If you can get Darnell Savage Jr. on a, on a cheap, maybe a one-year prove-it deal, maybe, um, I would say absolutely bring it back. There's just too much athletic ability to, to say to, to be done with him. And, and so, and again, uh, I thought it was a heck of a draft choice coming out of college. He just has not performed. But you've seen this before with Green Bay defensive backs and Micah Hyde and Casey Hayward where they just weren't good fits in the Green Bay defense. But once they went elsewhere, they excelled. And so you don't want to see that with Arnold Savage Jr., especially with a new, with a new defensive coordinator who has a secondary background. So if you can bring Darnell Savage Jr. on a cheap contract and see if he can play that role, uh, I'm all about it. But, again, I think the guy that that right now, for me, is a no-brainer to bring back, and I don't think it's going to break the bank, is Keyshawn Nixon. You know, the Keyshawn Nixon to safety one is something I never thought of, and it's intriguing, and you mentioned a name there, too, and I could see maybe some similarities is Micah Hyde. You know, when he was in Green Bay, he played a little you know slot corner safety net. Went to Buffalo, played safety, became an All Pro. Could you see something similar, like to to a Keyshawn Nixon, Micah Hyde type of role? Absolutely. You know, look, Keyshawn Nixon is is a tremendous athlete, and I think I think as the season went on last year, I think he really grew uh, in, in in that in that position as the slot corner. And and you know, Keyshawn Nixon in the Dallas game, um, very physical. Very, very physical, coming down, making plays, and uh, you saw just a lot of activity from him in that game. And so, yeah, I'm really intrigued by that potential move. Uh, and, and again, I, I think the comparison to Micah Hyde's a great one because he was miscast as a slot corner, and he goes to, to Buffalo and becomes an all-pro safety. And so, um, yeah, I, I like 
Keyshawn Nixon. I, first of all, I think I think it's a it would be a huge mistake to let him walk uh, from a special team standpoint and a defensive depth standpoint, regardless of where you play him. But but yeah, I could see easily him sliding into a safety role and playing, and I could see him playing at single high because I do think that Keyshawn Nixon plays the ball pretty well. He doesn't have a lot of interceptions in his career, but also he hasn't had the opportunity before he got to Green Bay to play a lot of defense. So I think you need to look at all of those things, especially with this new D.C. I, this is the first I've gotten to, to ask you this, but what are your thoughts on, on Jeff Hafley being the, the new defensive coordinator for the Pack? You, you know, I like it, and I didn't know a lot about him. And, and for me to, to say that I'm for it or against it or, you know, I've studied him in depth, he just was, was not a guy on most of our radar. And so, uh, you know, I like his philosophy. Um, I like what, what what guys like Richard Sherman say about him uh, from a standpoint of coaching defensive backs. And I think I think the fact that he is a defensive back specialist, this is a guy that that, that, that that's his – that that's his sweet spot is coaching the secondary. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and you talk about you know mixing and matching some four man fronts, and I think Green Bay's personnel plays well into that because uh, again, I almost thought that some of the guys that they've been drafting were more suited for a four three front. And so I like that. I like the philosophy of playing a little bit more press corner. And again, you know that's going to be dependent upon uh, who you bring back and what Eric Stokes does, and et cetera, et cetera, because you need the guys at those positions to play press. But, yeah, I like the pick. And, 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 the, and you know, I know there was a lot of social media talk about uh, nepotism and LaFleur's friends with him and everything. I'm like, guys, I don't care what level you coach at. You want to be comfortable with the coaches around you. And so if there is a history and, and, and if it's a direct connection, that's great with LaFleur. If not, but – you know some some guys who who worked for him, and you know some 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 similar guys or some acquaintances that they both know. Absolutely. So yeah, everything that I've looked into after after the pick was made, I, I like what I'm seeing and hearing. And again, I think the biggest area that you can say stamp of approval on is the fact that this guy's a secondary coach at heart, um, and I think that's exactly what Green Bay needs because I think that's where Joe Barry. I think that's where things got lost a little bit. A lot of miscommunication in the secondary with this Joe Barry defense. And I think uh, if you got a guy that can focus there, and again, going back to Richard Sherman, and, and Richard Sherman, not an easy player to coach, and Richard Sherman had nothing but praise to say about him. So, so thumbs up, and again, time won't tell. Uh, give this guy a chance to, 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 to get into this position and see what he can do. And, and again, one thing that I do want to say, Captain, and you're seeing this now more and more, you're, you know, obviously Saban retiring, and, and, and you're seeing college coaches either retiring or going back to the to the NFL, and I think you're going to see a lot of that over the next several years because the NIL and the constant portal action that's going on, I think it's crazy. And, and I think if you're a purist at heart, I, I think college coaching is probably the most difficult place to coach now. And, and, and if you're a football purist where you don't need to worry about, man, I'm going to lose this kid next year to the NIL because somebody's going to pay him more. Yeah, the NFL has that with free agency, but it's not as loose as the NIL and the portal is right now in college football. So I think you're going to see a lot of college coaches either retire or go into the pros because they don't want to deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that there too. You know, to to, to Jeff, it was it kind of like when when it was announced? It sounds like you were similar to me. It was like, okay, who you kind of start to to do a little background on it, and it's like he checks the box though. He may not have the name, but it's but he checks the box for a lot of stuff that Packers fans wanted to see. A guy who plays press coverage. You know that he, he loves playing press corner. There was a quote that. You know, we hit up saying that he thinks it's it's a necessity that you got to play press coverage. Uh, you know, it relies a lot on your defensive line to, to help out and get after the quarterback. I mean, even though he doesn't have a name, it sure seems like he checks a lot of those boxes. And you're right, I don't care if he's a friend. I don't care. I mean, heck, Andy Reid's got his BFFs all over the place, and they're doing pretty well, you, you know. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't care absolutely. about that. Yeah, that, that's a... That's a non-story, man. That's clickbait. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, everybody was jumping on that. I'm like, who cares, you guys? If the guy can coach, he can coach. It doesn't matter his personal relationship with MLF. And so, yeah, you, you, I think you, you hit it right on the head. 
it, for Packer fans to to you know to rip on this, it's everything you wanted, Packer fans. You, you know, checking the boxes, going through the you know you wanted this, you wanted this, you wanted this, and now you've got it. And so, but look, I, I think everything I've seen so far about him, uh, like you said, checks the boxes. And I think the biggest one for me is I wanted a guy who could coach the secondary, mm-hmm. and, and I wanted a guy who has a focus there. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a good move. Time will tell uh, and, and where this thing goes, but I think it's a huge hire for MLF. And for his sake and Green Bay's sake, I hope he got it right. I know Goody had his end of the season presser last week too, and, and related to the defense, I thought it was a good question. I can't remember who or asked it, and a good answer from Goody. But talk about the defense too. I really liked hearing Goody say that you know he's going to work with Jeff, uh, the defensive coordinator, and finding guys that fit his system to to you know essentially not have those square pegs and trying to fit them into into a round hole. And it sounds like Goody was involved in the process. Matt LaFleur had the final decision on defense corner. But it seems like everybody's at least in communication right now and trying to make this work. And we're, we're everybody's not being forced on, you know, coaches or players. It seems like everybody's kind of just in, in constant communication to fix this. Is, is that something that you got away from, from that presser from Goody, too? Yeah, and, and you know what? I got to uh, – he gets a lot of crap, but I got to hand Mark Murphy credit on this because – you know, he he had seen the siloed off part of the organization towards the end of Ted's tenure as GM and, and Mike McCarthy's tenure as coach. And, you know, Mark Murphy saw that firsthand. And, and, and we all questioned his moves now that, that you've got Goody reporting to Mark Murphy and Matt LaFleur reporting to Mark Murphy and Russ Ball reporting to Mark Murphy. And, and, and you know, there was some consternation at the time that, this structure wasn't going to work, and it seems to me, because everyone said that, you know, maybe Goody, maybe LaFleur wasn't Goody's guy originally, he was a Mark Murphy guy, and, you know, a lot of conjecture at the time, and I think what you're seeing now is I think you're seeing the Mark Murphy CEO mindset that, you know what, I'm going to run the Packers, and again, I think Bob Harlan did a tremendous job, but I think Murphy should get a lot of credit as well, because I think I think Murphy built this structure, saw the problems, that, that the Packers had at the time with Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy. And, yeah, I do see a, 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 a team very much in concert or a management team very much in concert right now. And I think, I think you know, going back to the Jordan Love decision, there was conjecture that Matt LaFleur wasn't on board with that. And, and, and I don't see that. And, and it, you know, again, and, and Jordan Love's season was able to prove a lot of, a lot of Packer naysayers a lot of a lot of people inside 1265. I think they a lot of them privately were probably saying, "I told you so." But yeah, it seems to be everyone's rowing in the same direction. And I don't care if you're a business, the football team, or whatever. When you've got from the top down the vision correct and the way to get there correct, good things can happen. Last question here for you, Joseph. Again, going back to the defense because I know a lot of people are hung up on whether it's going to be three four four three or. Or whatever have you, I think you and I both agree that if it is a four three, they've got the guys like a Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith can transition to a defensive end and such. But do you think it might be possibly more of a four two five? With because I mean, if you're four three, you got to think about another inside linebacker at that point. Yeah, you know, again, uh, nickel is nickel is the new base in the NFL, and so whatever you're doing, you're going to be running more nickel than you ever have before, and so I think. I think that's a big part of it. So, yeah, you know, look, if they're going to go to a true 4-3, um, in my opinion, then you're saying, you know, okay, Devondre Campbell um, is a guy you're keeping mm-hmm. uh, because you go Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, and then you go uh, McDuffie at that other linebacker. And, and, and obviously then you've got Lucas Van Ness, Preston Smith, uh, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark. Uh, you, you know, you've got those guys to fill the line position. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, 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 it looks to me and, and, and the jury's still out on Devondre Campbell, but I think if you're going to a true four, three, I think you keep him for that reason. You're going to have to draft players for this defense, but yeah, I think, I think you're going to see more Lucas Van Ness, for example, Rashawn Gary with hands in the dirt. And, and I, and I think, I think if you watch both of them, I think they're both very comfortable playing that role. And, and obviously they both played, kind of that hybrid position, one in Michigan, one in Iowa, but you saw their hand in the dirt a lot in college, and I think that can transfer really well to the NFL. One guy who 
I, I will say, going back to Preston Smith, I think Green Bay needs to do whatever they can to keep him. Uh, this guy, when you look at the season he had last year, and especially you know playing well late in the year, um, I think he's a must-keep on this defensive side of the ball. But, but again, going back to the higher, this is a big one for Matt LaFleur. Hopefully he got it right. I agree. Good stuff, man. Hey, appreciate it. Before I let you go, you got to get on the, the marker board here in the studio. Who you got for Sunday's uh, Super Bowl, Chiefs or 49ers? You know, I'm going to say this, and I'm just a huge Andy Reid fan, and, and maybe this is also my disdain for the 49ers, but um, I'm going Chiefs, and, and I will tell you, I just, I once again, just a huge Andy Reid fan, and uh, I don't care about, you know, the, the drama with 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 uh, Taylor Swift and, and, and Patrick Mahomes' dad and all this kind of stuff. You know, Andy Reid's just a football coach, and I think Mahomes has, has proven a lot this offseason. So I'm going with KC this week. Quick break, and let's chat some college sports and Badgers with Mr. R.J. Cardinal coming up next. We are always looking to save a little money in our pockets, but we still need our essentials like our grocery items. So how do you save money while also getting what you need for your family? Hy-Vee Perks. If you shop at Hy-Vee, you're already getting a great deal on quality items throughout the store. But now you can save more money with Hy-Vee Perks on different items each week. Saving some money is easy if you shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. So take advantage of these awesome deals and sales and stop on over at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. All right, let's bring in our guy, Mr. R.J. Cardinal. I got a lot of stuff I want to hit hit you up with uh, this morning, R.J., but first things first. Uh, going back to, to Friday, the, the news of the Big Ten and the SEC kind of getting together and, and, and meeting and such. Can you, can So what exactly have you kind of heard or read about that's, that's going on with that? And uh, what are your thoughts about you know Big Ten and SEC maybe taking over the world as, as we see it? Um, essentially, it's a threat to the NCA to start doing their job. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not happy with the way the college football playoff was moving forward. Um, they're not happy with the rules and regulations of the current state of NIL. And they've basically said, hey, we're here. If you want us to stay here, Start making rules and regulations, and um, you know the the delay for the six uh, births into the college football playoff, and then the sixth at large births uh, was delayed until 2025 because Washington State's president didn't vote on the thing and delayed the vote. Um, so, like, all they're really doing is at this point. They're letting them know we will break away, but we're giving you a chance. Mm-hmm. So is that kind of so to to explain it to, to maybe some others listening? Can like the Big Ten Conference and the SEC like break away and start their own football league or or basketball or or, or whatever? How how would that look? I think the easiest would be a football league here. Um, right now, you have thirty. You'll have thirty six. Teams, I think in in the the conference. Uh, if well, not in the conference, but if they break away, um, that's more than enough to do a, a twelve team playoff. You know, um, you can do scheduling. You have your own conference. You can schedule. You have your out of conference. You can schedule with those two and and not have to worry about it. And chances are that's going to be a pretty big money maker, even with some of those lesser teams that are coming along for the ride in both conferences. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, I think football would be the easiest to to do it in um, mostly because you have a 12 game schedule that can go to 13 in the conference championship. And, and you move on from there with a said playoff. Um, And who's to say, you know, um, you don't even make it less, games for the regular season and have a larger playoff that maybe half the teams make. Um, It's really something I think football would be the easiest to go with because some of the other sports don't necessarily have corresponding throughout all the conferences and uh, you'd want to keep it there but probably break away football first and maybe do a uh, basketball later but 
still uh, football is really the driving force here. Um, and I think it would just be football breaking away and being something not in the NCAA. What do you think the chances are that that could actually happen? Or do you think this is kind of what you're saying too? Like, all right, this is just that, that play to really push the hand of the NCAA at this point in time. Um, hopefully it's just like the idle threat, uh, the big 10 did when they said, uh, we can't be playing paying players. So, uh, we're going to go towards the, like a D three model, uh, after this or the, or we're not going to hand out scholarship model, uh, if this happens. And I mean, lo and behold, that didn't happen. Uh, so hopefully it is just the threat of, uh, we really need you to, be the the hand in this that we need you to be mm-hmm. um and if, if that takes place you know we won't worry about it um but i mean like we were talking is uh, when nil first came down nca did nothing about it they told they they outsourced to congress to take care of it i mean you're the nca you should be the one taking care of this but um uh, they didn't and now we're where we are here with the NIL side of things and also um, the um, college football playoff side of it that, you know, your top two money-making conferences with the largest brands that aren't happy about. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of the you know college football, a topic that we kind of touched on a couple days now, you know, and it's related to the Packers' new defensive coordinator, Jeff Hafley, coming over from Boston College, leaving a head coaching job. Uh, in, in college football, to be a defensive coordinator, we're hearing Chip Kelly wants to do the same and be an offensive coordinator and such. And you're hearing a lot of coaches talk about the NIL in a transfer portal and such. Could you? Is, I mean, you know, we talk about NIL and, and the players, and you know, they're benefiting from that. But how big of an effect is this having on in, on the coaching world? And could you see maybe the coaching product suffering a little bit at at that college level? I mean, you have some coaches who aren't happy having to be recruiting not just high schoolers but their own players uh and and trying to keep a team together um uh so i mean the transfer portal whatever is going on there i mean you know it's it's not the greatest situation going on mm-hmm. um and uh we have we're finding schools talking to players before they enter the transfer portal um, we were finding people getting paid before they ever sign uh, a, a scholarship offer. Um, and, I mean, you have, uh, like we've experienced, quote-unquote agents going through and, you know, uh, really ruining stuff. And it, it was... I understand it was meant to be, hey, once you're on campus enrolled, then you can start talking to to boosters or the collectives or whatever the situation is at a specific school uh, and start doing that way. But then you can also go out and make money on your own, go out and do events and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it didn't turn out to be that way, mostly because people weren't told of any rules. And then when, lo and behold, we find out there are some because there's people turning themselves in for violations. There's the NCAA saying Tennessee committed violations by paying kids before they even got on campus. Um, so, yeah, uh, we were told it's the Wild West, and now we're finding out there are some laws. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's. Do you see – I know, like, I think Miami, the U, has this. I think Alonzo Highsmith is, is the guy, but could you see – maybe even more teams employing that that general manager role where, hey, maybe it's kind of like the pro game where the general manager goes out and finds the talent and and all that. Or does that even open up more cans of worms and even more of a Pandora's box at that point? Well, I mean, you have your recruiting department, um, which, I mean, now Wisconsin's is much bigger than it was when it was zero. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And, (laughs) I mean, that's their job. Like, maybe the GM is depending on your situation, I'm not even sure what the GM actually does outside of, I mean, if you're identifying potential talent, you're just, you're in the recruiting department. Like call yourself the GM all you want. You're, 
you're the recruiting coordinator. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see what you have in, in terms of that. But I, I mean, the positions already should be there for most schools. Um, and it's just a matter of identifying, uh, you know, you shouldn't be contacting people before they get in the transfer portal, but, you know, finding your recruits once somebody enters a transfer portal, um, being able to identify if they fit your scheme offensively or defensively, and then being able to identify if they have uh, interest in coming here, uh, all while letting them know um, it better be interest in the program, and then we can talk about uh, possible NIL deals once you commit and once you enroll in school here. Um, but I, I, for the most part, it should be in play already. Interesting. Man, a lot of crazy stuff happening right now, dude. Uh, let's let's switch over to, to, uh, to the Badgers here. I'm actually going to lead off. Let's give a shout-out to that Badger wrestling team there, RJ. I know you're you're big into wrestling here, too. Uh, top 25 team in the country. They had a good weekend this past weekend. But, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about basketball and, and hockey. But let's give a little credit to, to that wrestling team that they got going down there in Madison. Yeah, um, not doing so hot in the conference. But, you know, the it's one of the tougher conferences there is. Um, but, yeah, overall, um, they're now... Two and two in conference, I believe it should be right now. Um, uh, they took second at the Midlands, which is a pretty big tournament uh, held by Northwestern every year. Um, yeah, and then they got uh, actually coming up this Sunday, uh, well uh, in advance of the Super Bowl at noon. Um, it, they uh, wrestle Illinois, and uh, yeah, the tougher part of their schedule is coming up with uh, at Minnesota and at Iowa uh, to end their. Um, Big Ten duels, uh, and then uh, on the road at uh, Northern Iowa as well before uh, they get to the Big Tens and then the NCAAs. So, uh, yeah, season's winding down here. Uh, I believe over half the team or half the team, uh, so five guys to six guys are all ranked right now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, going going pretty well. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot more of the season left to go, and uh, it's working towards the uh, – the Big Tens uh, coming up uh, middle March, and then um, the NCAAs near the end of March. Uh, I, I know, uh, I think it was uh, when he was first hired, you'd mentioned a good hire, and I don't know if you've been kind of following along, but, I mean, state of Wisconsin right now for, for wrestling, at least in our area, you know, we got the Badgers, but UW-Eau Claire with Tim Fader, uh, the, the job mm-hmm. he's done really turning around that program too. I mean, it's it's been remarkable to see the job he's done so far up here. Yeah, everywhere Fader goes, uh Success follows. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was a, like like when you asked about it, it was a it was a great hire there, and uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those as long as he's there. Success is just going to be uh, there at the program there, and I mean, uh, much like the Big Ten in the area, the WEAC is uh, one of the the premier conferences uh, for D three wrestling in the country, and um, um, so you got a lot a lot of talent that stays in state here and even at the D3 level uh, contributes to, uh, you know, Wisconsin's prowess of being a a wrestling state, Um, maybe not on par with Iowa, but, you know, uh, you can at least put yourself in the same breath as Iowa, Ohio, and Pennsylvania for being a wrestling state in this country. Absolutely. Uh, basketball, men's basketball. So they dropped down to number 11 after a couple losses. You know, we talked about that, you know, Nebraska game and how well Nebraska plays at home. And it looked like the Wisconsin, you know, first half, taking care of business, then the second half. I don't know, RJ, watch, you know, not to go too far back, but watching that second half of the Nebraska game, I got the impression that they almost reverted to the team last year playing a little hero ball, a lot of isolation and such. Did you get that impression watching that second half against Nebraska? Uh, it seems they went well away from the uh, the first half game plan, but then again, all your threes were following in the, falling in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it, it was just a tough one to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you're, you're looking at a game where, it really just seemed to get away from them, and you held Nebraska in check in the first half, and then it just like the locker rooms flipped, and Nebraska started making every one of their shots. Um, that masked guy 
you know, making step back threes and threes from the the logo. Um, and it became at some point where you're watching and you're just like, I, I can't be mad at this anymore. They're, they just can't miss. Um, so um, I still think there was a, a situation with about uh, right around the under 12 in the first half that they never went back and looked at. But Nebraska had a three-pointer where the guy's foot looked to be clearly on the line. Um, apparently it wasn't, and the angle, the two angles they showed where it was on the line weren't. Um, and the game should have ended in regulation with Wisconsin winning by one. But, um, you know, went to overtime and ended up uh, ultimately losing uh, with uh, free throws uh, in Nebraska, just getting there and finishing out the game at home. Um, mm-hmm. Still only have one loss at home this year, um, and that's to Creighton. But, yeah, um, that was a tough second half to watch. Yeah, and then uh, flash forward to Purdue, I mean, they were grinding it out. It was it was close throughout there, but uh, just didn't have enough to, to to close it out against Purdue. Did you take anything uh, at least positive from from that loss against Purdue? O for three or O for whatever from three pointers in the second half. Uh, that's not going to help much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I saw some people getting frustrated with the play under the hoop and attacking Edie, but I mean there were times where Tyler Wall was kind of just dancing around Edie and making him look like he is just a seven foot four taking up space. And I mean, anytime you have a guy like that who can't cover anyone and just hangs out in the paint uh, and you tell me he's going to be successful in the NBA, I don't know who he's going to be able to cover in the NBA. Um, it's, it's one of those college player. Yeah. He worked out great. He's, he's the kind of player who's perfect for the college game. Um, I don't see him lasting too long in the NBA, though. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 20, 30 years ago he would have, but in this day and age, especially when you have uh, defensive lane violations and, and things like that, um, he doesn't move around the court too well. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll be interesting to see how his game uh, is done at the pro level, um, but um, there's probably a reason why he came back for another year of college. Yeah, uh, But uh, overall... Uh, he's not the only one on that team. Like that team is a solid team. It's just going to be interesting to see once they get to the NCAA tournament again. Um, much like many of the Big Ten teams who play bully ball, and they still do, um, how those games will be called and if they can get out of the first weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you got uh, Michigan and, and Rutgers coming up here for, for for Wisconsin, looking to bounce back. You know, I was watching uh, or listening to Field of 68, and they were talking about the, the Big Ten that was on Sunday night and kind of said, you know, when you look at the Big Ten, it's Purdue, then there's a gap, then it's Wisconsin and Illinois, and then a bigger gap with, with the other teams there. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. I mean, your next four games are against the bottom four teams in the conference in Michigan, Rutgers, Ohio State, and Iowa. Um, your next real test should be when Illinois comes to town, but – I mean, four of your next six are on the road, too. So, um, I mean, the the rack in, in Rutgers at Rutgers is no easy place to play. We've had pretty darn good teams go there and lose. So um, it'll be interesting to see how these next six games before uh, Illinois play out. And, I mean, you're going to be favored in probably every game here, um, I think, except Purdue to close out the season. And, um, just take care of your business. Play play the kind of game we know they can. We've seen them do uh, throughout this season, and you should definitely be able to take care of the next four. Um, and then we'll see what happens with uh, Maryland and Indiana before Illinois comes in uh, to begin March. And uh, hopefully you have a good rest of uh, February here and get ready to move towards uh, the Big Ten tournament and then uh, March Madness. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, we've got to chat really quick on some hockey. The women's team over the weekend uh, de- defeating St. Cloud State. First game 2-1 in overtime. Then coming back on uh, Sunday and beating them 5-2. The men's team going up against uh, Minnesota. Uh, tight ones throughout the whole weekend. Uh, Friday's game, 1-2 loss in overtime. Uh, skated to a 1-1 tie. I believe they won the shootout, though, on, on Saturday. So uh, yeah. tight games all weekend long for, for both teams. 
you you picked up uh, the extra point for the tie uh, and overtime loss. I mean, you get a point for that. Uh, but then you picked up an extra point for the shootout win as well. Um, so you won the season series over Minnesota. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, it's it's another one. You're six points behind, so a full series behind uh, Michigan State right now. You're still the number two team in the conference. Uh, you got Notre Dame coming to town before you go on the road for two series and then welcome Michigan State to end the to end the 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 conference schedule before moving into the Big Ten tournament. So um yeah, and and like we talked last week, um you you swept everybody but Michigan State in the first uh go around. So yeah, you got you got a target on your back now and uh you know, Notre Dame comes in. Uh you gotta take it to them. Ohio State right now only has one conference win in the uh in 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 the Big Ten, so you got to go in and just dominate them at their home. And then Penn State, uh, they have the ability to be real sharpshooters, but you have to match them in in that intensity, like you did um, when they came to town here and you beat them six three four one. You beat Ohio State three zero six one in Madison. Um, and when was Notre Dame? That was like shortly after the Christmas, I think. Um, and then you swept them at home, and it wasn't really games that looked in doubt. So uh, these next three series, as you go in, you should be pushing because at some point Michigan State will have an off um, weekend here, so you can catch up on six points as long as you keep winning. And uh, that final series will be for uh, the regular season Big Ten title. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great turnaround um, and we're uh, hopefully uh, looking for a at least regular season Big, Con- Big Ten Conference Championship uh, before heading into uh, hosting a uh, home playoff series. Mm-hmm. Man, it's hard to believe that season's going to be kind of winding down here for both basketball and, and hockey. I mean, about a month left, less than a month left yeah. for some of these. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, then you're back into your spring sports and, uh, I think tennis, women's tennis started, and they're ranked right now too. Yeah. So good on them, and uh, yeah, good, good uh, couple of sports going on here with rankings wise, at least. Uh, and uh, yeah, good to be forward, a badger. Uh, yeah. It is good to it's be a badger. Never a bad time to be a badger. <laughs> but, I love you know. it. Hey, before I let you go, I got to put you on the uh, celebrity board here in the studio. Who you got for for the Super Bowl? Chiefs or Forty ers Um. You know, um, I'll go with uh, the 49ers. Uh, stick with the NFC. No no real other reason than that. Um, you know, that offense, I, I think as long as they don't abandon their run game, which they shouldn't, mm-hmm. uh, the 49ers have, could have the ability to run all over that uh, uh, Chiefs defense that wasn't the best uh, in uh, throughout the season on stopping the run. So uh, they have the talent there to, like, you know, kind of open things up. And I'm um, not saying the Chiefs don't the other way, but um, I think a more complete team might be the Niners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say that as a question because, you know, <laughs> both both teams, like, at times have looked like they can be world beaters, and then they go out and lay eggs. So, um, yeah, it'll be... I think it. I think it'll be a good game. Um, uh, at least on paper, it, it looks like it should be. And uh, I'll, I'll stick with the NFC and just go with the Niners. All right, hey, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A huge thank you for tuning in, as always. And don't forget, if you got a few seconds, to give us a five star rating and a positive review, so others can find the podcast wherever they listen to their podcast: Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. You name it. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper. And again, big thanks to Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford for sponsoring the podcast. I'll talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.